Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of The Theological Arsonist. I'm your host, Jonah Saller, and today I've got a really special guest, uh, Chris Ullery. He is with me today, and we're going to be talking about a very, very important topic, and that is the, the topic of, are you saved? How do you know that you are actually saved? We have so many people that claim Christ, so many people that go to church, so many people who walk the walk, but are they talking the talk? Are they walking the walk? Which is which? How do we know that we are saved based on scripture? So we're going to be going into that. But before we do, I just want to allow Chris to, to tell us a little bit about himself, what he does, what his ministry is about, and what he's passionate about. So Chris, take it away. Well, Jonah, thank you, man. It really is an honor, a tremendous privilege for me to be here with you. Um, I really don't take these things lightly. I was telling my family before I got on how nervous I get with these things just because I, so, I really want to honor God. You know, I don't want to misrepresent him. And I'll start out by saying I don't have all the answers. I yeah. definitely, you know, there's, there's thinking that I have, there's thoughts that I have that might be uh, different uh, than other people. And that's okay. As long as God is glorified, that's my main hope. Um, yeah. So I don't have all the answers. But um, so yeah, my name's Chris Ullery. I was born in uh, Dayton, Ohio, originally stayed there for about 14 years, uh, and then originally, eventually moved to Georgia, uh, Rome, Georgia. So um, it's been a blessing to be in the South as well. I love the South. And then I uh, met my wife, Kelly, a uh, beautiful wife. I was blessed to meet her. Uh, have three kids, you know, Cameron, Cadence, and Caleb, two boys and a girl. So God's been good, man. And that's not to say that things haven't been hard and still uh, definitely have struggles. But um, I'll tell you where I'm coming from. I want to speak as a man that knows that I, my time is short yeah. and there's not time to play games, right? Um, so especially whenever it comes to Christ, to the Bible, um, these things are so important to talk about. That's why I look at that this as such an amazing opportunity just to be with you to speak about him. So um, ministry wise, uh, Kelly and I are actually looking for a church right now. We've started before COVID hit and then COVID hit and kind of threw everything out of whack. I'm not, you know, and I'm actually grateful that I don't have a title or anything. Uh, but before that, we were doing a lot for several years, actually, of uh, home Bible studies. And that was mm. tremendous blessing. It really, really is. It kind of takes it back to church before, you know, the, the business type of church <laughs> meeting in someone's house. It's, yeah. it, it's more intimate. It feels more real if that makes sense. Um, but man, it's, I can tell you this, I'm a Paul washer guy. <laughs> I love Paul washer and so many others, by the way, but I've learned so much, especially from him, um, in terms of who God is in, mm -hmm. in terms of, what real Christianity actually looks like and how it's lived out. So uh, I love what God has done through him to teach me and others, by the way, uh, Vody Bauckham, Ravi Zacharias, I could go on and on. Yep. Um, but ultimately it's God, right. That, that has used these men. So that's kind of just a little bit about who I am. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. So getting into the topic, how do we know that we're saved? It can be a, a deep, complicated subject, but it's it's of the utmost importance because this is eternity we're talking about. Eternity is at stake right. for a lot of people. And we live in a time and a day and age where there is a lot of false teaching, a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of false gospels and false messages that are really leading 
millions of people astray. And so yep. getting to the core of the gospel, getting to biblical theology, uh, where, 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 where do you want to start when we're talking about how to know that we're saved? Well, um, what I thought about, and, you know, we don't have to read necessarily every verse, but kind of just skim along through it is yeah. Matthew chapter seven. I think Matthew chapter seven, uh, verses 13 to 23 are just really so good. Um, and it's Jesus talking, right? He's, he's kind of laying it down about what it looks like to be a Christian and asking you to ask yourself, which road are you on? Right. He talks about in 13 how there's a narrow gate uh, and, and, and it leads to life. And there's a wide gate with a broad way that leads to death and destruction. And he says the, the, you know, the narrow gate, it's small, it's narrow and the path is difficult. And yep. he's going on to say, but that road leads to life. It's not going to be a, a cakewalk for you yep. to be a Christian. Uh, and he's saying, but the broad way. Uh, the broad gate and the broad way it's wide it, many people find it many people are going to find that road because it's the easy road and it leads straight to hell yeah. it's amazing jonah how how we as people have things so much different than god does right so i'll just tell you a couple of my favorite verses in scripture uh mm -hmm. proverbs 3 5 and 6 and the older i get the more these verses mean to me because it's just so crystal clear. We as people think that we have it figured out. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, why would God let this happen? How could God let this happen? If I was God, I would yeah. do it this way, right? <clears throat> yep. But Proverbs 3, first of all, 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Think about that statement, first of all, how yeah. hard that is, especially when things don't go how I want them to go. Right. And let me right. just say this, too, before we really get into this. If, if this really is of God, Jonah, and I hope that God uses me, I hope that he uses you. But if it really is from him, it's not as though we're just talking to people in order to say, look how much knowledge we have. If it's really from God, then that means it's not originally from me. So I need to say it and then hear it back, just like I'm saying it, because it's right. just as much for me. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so while I while we say these things. I'm not just saying, so you should do this and you should do this. It's actually for all of us, right? Yeah, we're so, ministering to ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And that's what I want this to come across as. It, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. How many times for me have I had to reel myself back in because I get this head on myself about, well, why is God allowing me to go through this? As if. I'm pushing him off of the off of the chair where he rules and yeah. I'm trying to sit in it. Right. How blasphemous, you know. And, and that's why it says trust in him. And then it goes on to say he'll direct your paths if you do this. Mm. And then that's beautiful. And the other the other set of verses that have just meant more and more to me as I get older, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And it's talking about how Basically, God's ways aren't your ways. They're higher, not just a little bit higher. It's not like yours are here. God's are just barely higher. It says as, as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, we're not even close to being close to who God is or understanding his thoughts or right. trying to pretend that we know it all. You know, when we, we have such a finite view of everything that is going on, that's really going on, even in the spiritual world, right? Yes. But God sees everything. Yes. And that's where, that's why these verses, and like I said, we don't have to read through all these because there's a lot, 
But that <clears throat> narrow gate and that broad gate, which one? That yeah. narrow path and that broad path, which one are you on? Ask yourself these questions, really. Yep. Because there's tests that you can take in order to find out which one you're on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, especially in that verse, when you, when you just picture narrow gate versus broad, and we go back to what we were just talking about, it really comes down to a lot of those questions that people are, are asking and the statements that people make about, you know, am I, is, is it just for God to do this? Is it, is it right for God to do this? I couldn't follow a God that does that. Yep. Um, and, and we automatically put ourselves in the position of being God. And That's right. I find myself even on very subtle levels doing this still in my Absolutely. thinking where I have the tendency to, to look at something and to immediately step off of God's word onto man's word and start engaging in the philosophies of man in order to try to make a point or justify something that God has said. And it's yep. like, why am I trying to justify God when he is, like you said, up here and we are down here? You know, it's, it's the, the chasm between his ways and our ways is so much more, so much yes. more than we could possibly. Infinite, so, if, in, you, if, if you want infinite. to say that. Right, yeah. right. Which is, again, why Christ is so, so essential, right? And yes. why the gospel yes. is such good news. Um, Amen. Yeah, so let, let's keep going with that, 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 those verses, enter by the narrow Definitely. gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So focusing in on verse 14, narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. What is that? What is that narrow way? How do we find that? Amen. That's, that's the question, isn't it? Because yeah. that, that here it is, man. And I know you, this is what's so important for us to do as Christians. And again, I don't have all the answers, but things I'm learning as I get older. Okay. Tying scripture together is absolutely essential. It's not, you can take any verse as you've seen on things like TikTok and Facebook and other platforms right. and spin it into whatever you want it to be. And by the way, I'll use a verse uh, that the devil could do the exact same thing. Uh, I believe it's, is it John 14, six, where it says, uh, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. The devil doesn't have to change that whole verse. He just has to change a single word in the verse. Instead of saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. All right. he has to do is change it to a yep. from, from that, from the way to a way, another way, basically, right? And right. it changes the entire meaning of that, of what's being said there. But to me, so getting back to your original question, that's what I would say is Jesus Christ is the gate and Jesus Christ is the way. He is everything. You just said it yourself. He is yeah. absolutely essential. So that's what is so I'll use the word disgusting whenever I hear these prosperity preachers talking mm. about things like you know, have your best life now, um, sow your seed so that God will reap your harvest and all these things. And they're, they're biblical things that they're saying, but that's not at all what they're intended to be, you see. Right. And that's what, that's what's done all the time. But getting, again, answering your original question, Jesus is everything. He yeah. said it, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is our uh, mediator between God and man, right? So all throughout scripture, we see exactly who Jesus is 
and what he wants from us. And to go further, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later on, is there's actually a test that you can take scripturally in 1 John. Ask yourself some real questions. And what happens and what my worry is a lot of times, Jonah, is whenever we're reading through the story, a lot of times we want to put ourselves in the hero spot. Well, there was a righteous man and an unrighteous man. Well, I'm the righteous man. So what did I do here? You know, instead of actually looking in ourself and not just thinking about the good things, but thinking about the things we do in secret. What about, you know, I've heard it said like this. Don't compare the gospel to to who you are in public where, you know, you have your filters on and everything looks nice and you have your veneers and everything's super bright. Right. And everything looks great. Compare your secret life when nobody else is watching, when no one else is looking and what you do. Compare that to the gospel and see if you stand. Yeah. And that's what I think he's saying is you're going to fall. It's absolutely impossible to live this life. And that's why it's ridiculous to think that we can earn our way on our own yes. into heaven. So that's where, to me, that's that's kind of the heart of that, if that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's huge. That's a really, really important point. Um, if we continue on, because going right off of that, I think I think the key is in verse 16. You will know them yeah. by their fruits. Amen. <laughs> and that's you why... You know them by... You yeah. could, Jonah, you could, you could spend, and I don't remember if I said this, I think it was off air, but you could yeah. literally do like an eight or nine part series, probably more just, on just, just on this. that verse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's so hard to, I, I want to say so many different things, but I also want us to actually soak in these important nuggets. Like you just brought up. I mean, yes. you'll know that. And he goes on to give examples, right. Of trees, what kind yep. of tree bears good fruit, what kind of tree bears bad fruit and what do you do with the trees? Right? So you'll know people. What he's saying is you'll know people, not just by their actions, but by their style of life. And what do I mean by that? If you could follow me around with a camera, like a single shot camera, and you catch me on a bad day and I am ill. And then my wife, I'm running late for work. Everything's going bad. It's raining outside. And then my wife stops me right before. And she says, hey, um, could, you, could you hang this poster right before you leave or something? You know, gives me a task to do. Yeah. And I would l- turn around and just take a snapshot of my face and post it somewhere and say, that's a Christian? That's, that's a supposed believer? Because that's a snapshot in time. So living a Christian life isn't about just a, just a, a, a what are you doing? It's who are you really as yeah. a style of life, literally walking around. Who are you as a human being, right? If it was a line graph, I like to use this as an analogy. If it was a line graph, it's not just, I started here, got saved. And then it's just straight up, right. never failing, never failing again. It's all up, 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 up towards God. No, it's more like up. And then you have seasons of down and then up and then seasons of down. But if you look over the course of someone's life, that bar graph, although you'll have setbacks, ups and downs, it'll be trending towards godliness because he alone is doing the work. He's sanctifying us in our hearts and separating us from the rest of the world. And how instead of the things that we used to love to do that God hated, now we hate those things. Even though we're not perfect, even though we struggle with them, we still struggle. But you'll see as a style of life that that person is is striving to honor God with their life. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that is 
that's really, really important to, to say. Um, something that I really want to talk about before we even get deeper into this, just because I think for clarification's sake, it's really, really important. Just defining salvation. You know, what, what is salvation? What does that look like? Because I think a lot of people, they almost have the tendency to view it as you, you go up to God, you say, hey, sorry for what I've done. Can you forgive me? And he gives you a you're saved card. And then you walk <laughs> away with that and you carry it around and it's this possession and you're doing your thing. And then maybe you start feeling like things are, you're getting set back. So you have to go to God to get another one, right? Absolutely. As opposed Absolutely. to the idea, as opposed to the idea that Christ picks you up <laughs> and he carries you. Amen. And he's sanctifying you. <laughs> And so rather than looking into your past at a time when you said a prayer or walked an aisle yes. and saying, Thank that's you. when I was saved, you're looking at your present condition to know whether Amen. or not you're saved. It's not about something you did in the past. It's about what is your present posture? Yeah. What does that look like? So I just, let's talk about that for a little bit. Cause I think that that's really, really key. And that ties right into the whole, you will be known by your fruit. Um, but let's just expound on that idea. Well, first of all, it's such a, a absolutely necessary, uh, necessary point to talk about. And I'm so glad that you hit it because it also ties in again with other scripture. So Second right. uh, Corinthians chapter five, verses, verse 17. Um, if Yeah, if you want to follow along with me. Yep. But it basically says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, right? He is a yep. new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So literally, it's not like you're stepping out of the line to go to hell and stepping into the line to go to heaven as if it's just some easy, whimsical thing. Because like you said, how many times have people dedicated and rededicated and re-rededicated their life because something's not going right? And what they're usually doing, honestly, if we're honest about it, is they're depending on their own performance. Absolutely. What am I doing? Am I doing enough, quote unquote, doing enough to earn God's favor, to earn his love? Here's the thing, man. And I try, I'm a simple guy. Okay. I'm, you got, I, I watched, by the way, real quick side note, yeah. you and Andrew did such a good job. I just wanted to commend both of you on your first um, episode or your second technically episode. It was awesome. I can't wait for uh, more. I think Andrew, you, you guys are younger than I am. I'm 34. So when I look at guys like you, guys like Andrew and guy, other guys, so many other guys on TikTok and other places that I meet that are younger, I get excited for the future of Christianity mm -hmm. because you, to me, represent our future and what, where our direction is going to be as far as Christians go. So I just wanted to give you a quick side note on that because yeah. I think you guys are doing an amazing job. But Great it's, God. again, it, it points back to God and what he's doing. Right. through you, through your right. life, right? And, and your fruits show that, by the way. Um, but like I said, getting back to uh, 517, 2 Corinthians 517, yep. old things have passed away. What does that actually mean? Does that mean that, you know, you're going to have a perfect repentance and you never have to repent again because everything's great now? No, not at all. A, a, an accurate translation, I think, of Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where Jesus says the time has come, everything's fulfilled now. Now repent and believe, repent and believe those two things. Right. And he's going on and he, what he's really saying is the time has come. Okay. Now spend the rest of your life repenting of your sins constantly because you're constantly in sin. 
and believing in me. Again, like you said, it's not a one-time thing. Prayer is not a flu shot. It's not yeah. like, yeah, I, I took care of that already. I right. got that. I can show you the mark. I wrote it in the back of my Bible. That way, anytime I questioned, I could just look at it and remind myself that the devil's just bothering. I've actually had people tell me that in my life. Mm. People struggle with their salvation, Jonah, and that is real. Yeah. And that's, to me, when I hear somebody struggling with their salvation, I look at that not as a red flag. I look at that as a wonderful opportunity because I think God's working in them. Absolutely. He's convicting them. Yeah. And that's a good thing, right? That's where we want to be. So when people say, and they mean well, by the way, they mean well when they say, well, the devil's just bothering you and stop, you know, just stop paying attention to that. That kind of stuff is real. And it's what people say. Instead, the Bible tells us, and we'll get into this later, but take a test, examine yourself, who you are, not yesterday, not five years ago when you took this prayer, but today, who right. are you right now? And if you fall short, cry out to God, right. because that's the only hope that you have, you know? So, yeah. and that ties right into, you know, Paul talking about if you live by the spirit, walk by the spirit, walking is an action, you know, the living by the spirit that comes as a result of being a Christian Amen. coming into the body of Christ, but the walking by the spirit, that, that, that's intentionality that takes Amen. effort. That takes work. You know, that takes, that takes us not being just passive that requires work, you know, and I, yeah, I think a lot absolutely. of people, they, they sometimes think that being a Christian just, just really does mean saying the prayer, walking the aisle, and then living life like you're good, you know, but if there's absolutely. no fruit, if there's no change to accompany that, then, then what does that mean? So, um, yeah, I just want to go a little bit deeper. So old things have yeah, passed yeah. away. Behold, all things have become <laughs> new. Yep. And I think if I could, this reminds me a lot of Romans chapter six, where Paul goes yeah. into great detail and basically says, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound by no means? How yeah. can you who have died to sin still live in it? So it's not a matter of don't take advantage of grace. It's no, no, no. You've died to sin. Something right. radical has happened to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have died to sin. Do you not know you've been baptized into Christ Jesus death? And if you're buried with him and, and baptized into his death, You've also been raised to newness of life. And so I think Amen. if we could just pause on that and just take that in for a second, <laughs> I think so many people, again, have this idea that salvation is a possession that they hold when in reality, it's a surgery. It's a surgery. It's a crucifixion, you know, of the Amen. old self to birth the new self. And so if you have any thoughts on that, I just want to take that a little bit deeper because I think that that is, it's just such an important part for people to get. If you don't understand what happened at salvation, if you don't understand that process and what Christ literally did to you, he took that heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. If you don't get that, you miss the gospel. You really That's miss right. the gospel. Yeah. Um, it's again, such a crucial point and such a good point to bring up. And the way I look at it, man, if I were to have a motto, say, for my life, it would literally just be die to yourself. Yeah. Again, not that I do it all the time because most of the time, let me put it like this, man. The times in my life where I have truly died to self have been very few. Like literally I could count maybe on two hands where I literally put everything I really wanted to do to the side and 
did something that I knew God would honor, read the Bible, listen to a sermon, whatever it may be. Those have been the happiest times I'm telling you that I've ever had in my life. But I still struggle against the flesh because the times in my life where I've put God to the side, I know I need to read, but instead I'm going to watch TV or play a game, whatever it is, watch sports. Those have been the most miserable times in my life as well because I'm choosing me over God when I know the difference is God. God comes not just first in some ranking system, but everything. He's either everything to us or he's nothing. And that's why I think you get all these people that are struggling so bad. They're on the fence. Sometimes they're living for God, and then sometimes they're not. And again, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, a style of life. Who are you? What piques your interest, right? Would you, is it a burden to you, for example, to listen to preaching? Is it a burden to you to honor God by doing what he says, or is it a joy? And I look at it like this. I told you I'm a simple person. I compare a lot of, of, of what I've learned to myself being a parent and my kids. I can't tell you how many times, Jonah, I'll be telling my son, my youngest son, something that I, I'm, I might be getting on to him really hard. And it's almost, I don't hear a voice or anything, but it's almost as if a small voice inside me says, I'm telling you that, Chris. Hmm. You need to listen to what you're saying because I'm telling you that and you're telling him. So God works really in mysterious ways for sure. But I can tell you this, man, he, if, if you're truly his, you might walk away from him for a while, but I look at it like the prodigal son, eventually he's going to bring you back. And when that happens and when we're trying to get this, you know, we put ourselves in the, in the penalty box for a little bit. We try to work our way back in, try to maybe read the Bible, kind of look up to see if he's watching us and then eventually pray and say, I'm sorry, God, when we're getting all this in mind, He's already forgiven us. That's the thing. That's why it says that we can literally rest in the work that Christ has done. Not earn it, but literally rest in it. And that's so hard for us because we're constantly fighting and rebelling against sin. Right. Yeah, that is, that's huge, man. That really is. And I think another thing just to go off of that is that, let's put it this way. I think it's easy for Christians to get in the habit too of thinking, okay, all of this that we're talking about makes a lot of sense. So now I need to start working to get on God's good side. And then it becomes a works-based way of living as opposed to living by faith. And so that balance really comes from the knowledge that Christ has made us new. We are justified in his sight. And that is actually why we can risk obedience. That is actually why we can, oh, I lost your image. Uh, Hold on a second, Jonah, sorry. Nope, you're good. There you are. Okay, sorry about that. Well, basically, we can risk obeying now because we're right with God. Our obedience flows from our rightness with God, and it cannot be the other way around. Otherwise, we are seeking to obey for the purpose of reaching his standard, which like we just talked about earlier, is way up here, and we're way down here. We can't do it. And so if we (laughs) we toil like that, it's going to be exhausting. We're going to fall away. And I honestly think a lot of people do fall away Me from too. the faith because it becomes work and they, they just, oh, I can never do it. I'm, I'm not and enough. They, absolutely. And they never will. And, it, and it, you, what you're saying kind of reminds me of the Pharisees, right? Yeah. That's kind of exactly what they thought that they were doing is, I mean, how, you, you seen the man that comes to him and says, what do I do now, God? Uh, what do I need to do now, rather, teacher? Because, you know, I've kept the commandments. First of all, 
you kept the commandments. Wow, that's impressive, right? Who can actually say that? Right. Who can actually say that? So again, Jesus, knowing the man's heart, was like, okay, that's great. Now all you have to do is sell your stuff and give it all to the poor because he was rich, right? Right. And it's like, we think that, like you're saying, we think that we can attain some level equal with God to where almost as though, okay, God, I did this. Now you owe me. Yeah. Think about how just <laughs> heretical, first of all, that is and how blasphemous it is because you think that you can literally earn it, right? Right. Lost your why. image again. There you go. I know. People, <laughs> people keep calling me, man. I'm sorry. No worries. No worries. Um, but yeah, so that's where it is. That's, that, to me, that's what's happening is people think that we can actually, again, earn God's favor, earn his love. And by the way, that's one major difference between Christianity and literally every other world religion. Every other right. world religion says to do these things. Christianity, as American Gospel so eloquently put, which I just watched and it's really good, cool. says everybody else says do, Jesus says done. It's finished. When he said it's finished, it really was finished. We don't have to work for anything. Now, with that said, we got to be very careful because like you so right. well put, the devil twists just a little bit and it seems like a good thing. But then it comes from one, one ditch. I like to say there's always a ditch on each side. It goes right. from one ditch to the other ditch. It goes right. from this to workspace, like you said. Right. So we have to be careful because somewhere in that middle, somewhere in that middle ground, that's the reality. And that's the truth of what's being said by Christ and what's already been done. And we can rest in him. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it was John Piper who said, and this, this to me is a phenomenal visual image, but he said, too, too often we confuse the root with the fruit. You know, we, we, <laughs> yeah. the fruit is the works and we have the tendency to lump the fruit and the root into the same thing, as opposed That's to right. recognizing the root is Christ. Out of Christ always flows fruit. Always. You can't have yeah. no fruit if you're in Christ. And so if there's no fruit, that's a sign you're not in Christ. But the Amen. fruit is not what justifies you. What justifies you is being plugged into the root, right? And so it's that, it's that image of the root is what justifies. I'm not working to attain righteousness. But if I'm in the root, there's going to be fruit. It's going to happen. Amen. If it's not, that's when we have to examine ourselves. So, that's right. That's good, man. Yeah. That's really good. So let's, let's take this now. Um, going back to talking about fruit. And really looking, especially now, let's take this about a lot about culture. Let's look yeah. at culture. Let's look at fruit. Let's look at modern evangelical Christianity um, in all its forms. Let's look at fruit. And let's, let's look at the two together and go just deep into what, what's the problem right now? What's wrong with, with the world? <laughs> let's oh, tackle man. that. That's a, first of all, that's a super deep issue um, yes. to tackle. But yeah, I mean... So what is the fruit? Okay. The fruit is literally what you produce from your life. Okay. Right. What, whatever you do leads to this. And what is the, this, this is the fruit. So what do we in America, the American way is if you don't get it, you know, get it faster. If you, Hey, don't cook, go to fast food. And if you're sitting in the fast food line and it's taking too long, we'll get mad because you deserve it. Not just in a little while you deserve it now. So first of all, we don't have any patience for literally anything, in my opinion, that I see. Yeah. Nothing. In fact, do you remember? I don't know if you're old enough to remember. I remember when we had dial-up internet, okay? Yep. Dial-up internet, perfect example. 
You had that awful sound that you made. It took like literally, I don't know, probably five literal minutes just to get yeah. on the phone online. And then God forbid somebody calls or, or, uh, you know, some, somebody picks the phone up and knocks you offline. Right. So, and that was back then. Now, if I am sitting and watching my phone and it takes longer than five seconds to <laughs> upload something, I'm literally upset, right? right? Because our culture and the way that we've been programmed slowly, but surely it's like we get a little quicker, a little better, a little quicker, a little better. And before long, you don't have patience. Yeah. And isn't it amazing? Have you ever prayed for God to give you patience? And then instead of just snapping his finger and you, you're patient all of a sudden, he gives you somebody that makes you super impatient. He's teaching you, right? And in the right. same way, I think the devil is working. Just as much as God is working in our lives, the devil knows that his time is short and he is working. Another right. thing that you can't do in today's culture, in my opinion, is you can't say anything is wrong ever. And if you do, all we have to do is slap a label on you and get you to shut up like racist or bigot or homophobe or whatever else. And that way that'll teach you a lesson not to say anything is wrong about anything ever. And if you do, then you're going to be an outcast. Right. And that's, that to me is what happens. So the Bible is absolutely radical in today's culture because it's so different than everybody else is trying to live their life. Like if right. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What What do you think, though? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's such a deep, deep subject. It's hard for me to to even know where to start with all of it. But I, I <laughs> one of the one of the things that I see in culture that makes me really sad is that there's a lot of people who have attached themselves to the philosophies of man and have taken things like love in the Bible, uh, joy, peace, pay the fruits of the spirit. And they yep. take that and they mix it with this philosophy of man and they convince themselves, I have the yeah. fruit. I'm, I'm, I'm displaying the fruit. And then when you and me and others stand up and say, hey, we can love our, for example, our homosexual brothers and sisters out there, Absolutely. but we are not going to stand and say that that's right because we're standing Absolutely. on the word of God. Well, these people will look and say, well, you're not demonstrating love. And they feel like they're demonstrating one of the fruits of the spirit. Absolutely. So, so it's, <laughs> th yeah, this is where I'm really broken. And it really, really does break my heart because I see a lot of people out Man. there that have been deceived by the empty philosophies of man and have, have fallen into the trap that catering to culture in the name of acceptance so that you don't get called a bigot so that you won't be divided so that you will be embraced and you can feel like that fun lovable christian yeah that has yeah. taken hold of people and pulled them right in because let's face it it is hard to stand for truth it really really Amen. is because there's a lot of people that don't want to hear it they don't like it and it's much easier to just say hey i'm just i'm going to toss this out and i'm going to i'm going to move over here inside with the world and so i one of the things that I really want to talk about in this conversation is, is really just as blunt as we can, as lovingly as we can, as, as scripturally as we can, mm -hmm. drawing attention to how dangerous it is to claim Christ and also walk in step with the world. Absolutely. Well, I, the first thing, whenever you say that, that pops into my mind is <clears throat> if they hate you, remember that they first hated me 
right? Jesus telling his disciples, and, and when, they, when they despise you for my namesake, remember that they first despise me. Here's the thing, man. I've seen people say something along the lines, well-meaning Christians, again, yeah. something along the lines, if we could show the world Jesus, then everybody would change and, and, and uh, you know, everything would get better. No, if we showed them Jesus, they're going to want to crucify us just right. as much as they wanted to crucify him. Right. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is go on some comment sections in TikTok or <laughs> YouTube or Facebook. And you'll see literal things that we could actually point to physically right. where people have said, if Jesus comes back, we'll crucify him again. Yeah. That's, it's not an issue. Here's the thing. Here's what I really want people to understand. And I, I say this a lot and I feel like people just don't believe me or whatever. People hate God. They yeah. hate him with a passion apart from Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, you, people may say, oh, I don't hate him. I don't hate God. I really don't care either way, but I don't hate him. Well, it's really not true. And the reason that you know that it's not true, again, going to scripture, how do you know who loves him? Those who obey him, those who lovingly obey his commands, who, who stick to his uh, statutes and yes. walk in his judgments, right? Not again, not, I have to keep saying this, not that it's perfect, not sinless perfection, because right. none of us are. But it's a constant growing in holiness and a growing in godliness. And right. if you're not doing that, if you, for example, if you, it doesn't affect you or bother you to lie or do other little, little things, quote unquote, that are sin, that God despises, that's a really a telltale sign of who you are, that you right. really do hate him because you're proving it with your life that you lead. So right. your mouth can say one thing, and this ties in perfectly with, again, Matthew 7. And we're going to get there, and yep. I know we better get there because yes. this is the best yep. part coming up, yep. is so many people will mouth it. They'll say things that they're Christian, and they'll, they'll put on the facade of what a Christian should look like, and they'll do the things, quote-unquote, that Christians should do. But inwardly, they're whitewashed tombs, like Jesus said about the Pharisees, right? They look like the holy people, but if you look at their heart, as only God can, you see them for what they really are. But yeah. here's the thing, Jonah, you and I, we, we can't see their heart. All we have to do is look at the life that they lead. Is God the focal point of who they are or not? It's really simple. I told you I'm a simple guy. What yeah. it really comes down to is one simple question. Are you going to obey God or not? It's yeah. really that easy. Yeah. And I hope for other people's sake, for something like this, that they'll look at themselves and ask themselves some real questions. Because when you... Put your hands over your ears and say, I don't want to hear it like so many people do. You're ironically cutting yourself off from the only hope or remedy from sin, which is Jesus right. Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and going back even earlier to our conversation that we were having right at the beginning, the, the plugging the ears and the no, I'm not going to listen to that and the conforming to culture is again that pattern of I know better than God. Amen. I'm God. Amen. I'm not yep. going to look to him. This doesn't fit with me. Therefore, it cannot be true. This Absolutely. doesn't fit with what I feel is right. Therefore, I will not follow that. And again, it, it comes from, ultimately, the root is pride. But, it, but it, it really comes from, trying to think of how to say this as eloquently as I can. It really comes from a massive, massive lack of understanding of who God is and who we are yeah. in relation yeah. creator creation yeah. and it goes back right to that so it, it's a we're on board it all, it all comes yep. back 
Uh, something, something you said that I, that I want to take with a, a scripture is the final verse of, I think it's Romans chapter 14. He says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And I think that that is really, really key to understanding, too, the, the idea of fruit in a Christian's life and, and what that actually means. Because if I'm reading my Bible every day and I'm going to church, but I'm doing it out of a total sense of pride and a total sense of I want to I look good to the people around me, I'm in sin. Just because we're doing, Amen. quote unquote, good things does not make it any less sinful. Because I think Amen. the tendency is to look at morally wrong things and say, okay, that's sin, but not take the time to examine our hearts when we're doing, quote unquote, morally good things. Um, right. I think of Isaiah, you know, our, our righteous works are like filthy rags in the eyes of God. <laughs> so how do we go from the filthy rags to the righteous works? By faith in Jesus Christ, you that's know, it. and that, that's, that's really it. the key. So let, let's go back now to, to Matthew chapter cool. seven and dive deeper okay. into that. <clears throat> I got to get Okay, back. so where were we here? I think we were in, what, 17 or 18? Yeah, right, right around there. <clears throat> I'll read it. Even so, yeah. every tree, or I'm sorry, every good tree bears good fruit, good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So he's really hammering home the point, right? You, you can't have, you know, oil and water don't mix, so to speak. You can't have a good tree that has bad fruit and vice versa, right? So he's really hammering that point home. And then he goes on in 17, every tree that does not bear good fruit, here's the warning, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, you buy their fruits, you will know them. Yes. Now, we've, we've dove into that pretty well, right? Right. So if we can, let's get into 21. Yep. Um, and stop me whenever if you have something to interject there. Sure, sure. Um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now to me, Jonah, this here, especially 23, is probably the scariest thing in scripture combined with anything else, right? How terrifying of a thought would it be to actually believe? Now let's study this, okay? Because it's not like it's not as though somebody said, you know, I'm dying. I, I know I'm dying, so I better get right with God. This is right. somebody that literally walked around in their life proclaiming to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They emphatically said it. Everybody knew it. They posted it on Facebook, right? But he says, not everyone who says to me, listen to these words, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. And if you study Hebrew literature, you'll see that Lord being there twice is the emphasis. They're not just saying Lord. He's saying Lord, Lord, implying that, again, he is walking around emphatically saying, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I trust in Christ. He's saying, not everyone who says that to me shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but who will, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Right? So then it goes on, and he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, again, going to that, right? Yep. Have we not done all these things in your name? Have we not prophesied? Cast First of all, let's just study these real quick. Yeah. Prophesied in your names. When's the last time you prophesied in God's name? 
Right. I don't know if I've ever done that, right? Right. Or cast out demons. I've never cast any demons out of anybody. But these are major, big league Christian things, right? Right. These are big things that they've done. And, and they said, we did this in your name. And he says, basically, I don't know you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Think about the heart. You're standing there. Just let's get this image in our heads, okay? You're standing there naked before God, naked. Yeah. Nothing to hide behind. Everything's out in the open. You can't hide anything, right? Right. Before God, Almighty, Creator of the universe, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and last, all these things. This is God. And you're yeah. thinking, oh, I'm so excited to see him. There he is. And then you get up to him. And it's like, God, I'm so happy to see you. And he goes, I don't know you. How devastating, how absolutely horrifying is that image? Because it says there's a lot of people, like you said earlier, yeah. slipping away, falling away. That's going to happen to. It's terrifying. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, it so saddens me to, to even read a verse like that because the thought of being in that position is just unimaginable. And there are people that are that are going to face that. I know. And it breaks it my heart. It really cool. does. Um, I really think the key is in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Yeah. The will of my Father in heaven. That is the people that will enter the kingdom. Those who do yeah. the will of the Father in heaven. And so let's Let's just stay there for a little bit and break that down. Okay. What is the will of the Father in heaven? Because we, we, we see, right, again, prophesying, casting out demons, many <laughs> wonderful wonders in, in your name. Well, that, that didn't cut it. So if that doesn't cut it, what, what does? What right. Right. I think if we go, and I've got to find it real quick, but I believe it's Romans 12 maybe. And by the way, I love Romans. Me too. We see, we see, well, what you, you ask yourself, well, what is the will of God? Well, let's just read the first two verses, okay, if we could. Yep. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, or in some cases it says, I urge you, brothers, yep. uh, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, there's a sermon in that alone. But yep. then verse 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world. Now pay attention. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. How, and what do we do with this? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you know what it's all about? I think he's trying to tell you. Pay attention, brothers, because I'm about to tell you what the first of all, if you go back to verse one, okay, yep. mercies, that's plural. That's more than just one mercy. Right. Mercies are new. And again, tying scripture together in yes. the Psalms, we see that his mercies are new every, every single day. day. Yes. How, and, and if you let that sink in, that'll overwhelm you. So whenever we talk about heaven, first of all, quick side note, Yeah. to me, it's not just going to be streets of gold gates of pearl and all these wonderful things mansions all this wonderful stuff it's wonderful but i think it's more going to be chasing after and having greater and greater realizations of just who god is and yes. being able to literally do with i think you said in uh with with andrew you or him one brought up the catechism uh 
enjoy God forever. Yes. Literally enjoy him forever. That's the goal. All these other things, cherries on top, right? But him, him, he is everything, right? And it goes back to what we said earlier. He's either everything to you or he's nothing to you. And it'll tell people will be able to tell. Yes. So I think that's a good um, way to at least start the conversation of what's being said there is how to know the will of God. First of all, it's perfect. It's acceptable and it's good, right? And we can trust in that. What an encouragement that we can trust in him, even when situations, even like I'm in right now, they're not easy, but thank God I can trust that he is in control ultimately. That gives me comfort. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think if we pull into the overarching theme of scripture, which is that it's not about us. This isn't a story about how awesome we are. And that God, God saved us because we're just the, the, the greatest thing to walk the earth, right? And a lot of right. people, we have a tendency to read scripture that way. This is about me. Yeah. This is a story about me. No, this is yeah. a story about God's glory being manifested. That's what this is about. That's it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my, my deep love for John Piper here again. But one of He's my favorite things that. that he said is, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You know, I and I, I, I think that that ties right into the perfect, like we just read, the perfect, the acceptable, the good, the will of God is that he is glorified. He is glorified through our total satisfaction in him, our total rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if we go back to, to Matthew 7, mm-hmm. we see that, oops, I'm in Matthew 8. Uh, <laughs> if we go back to Matthew 7 and we see the will of my father in heaven and we see all these things that they did i think something to note is that they're boasting in something they did amen good point good they're boasting point. in something they did and and to me when i picture myself on judgment day coming to the throne of god the last thing i want to do <laughs> is point to something yeah. i did in his name the last thing i want to do The only thing I want to do is fall to my face and say, I do not deserve this. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I think that's a proper way to receive it. Right. (laughs) Truthfully. So let's, let's just go there. Cause I think that that's, (laughs) that's really important. Cause I think that a lot of people read this passage and can sometimes think, Oh, well, well, they must've just not been doing enough. You know, if they had done more or they had their, their head in the right spot when they were doing it, maybe then they would have been good. And, and we tend to make it about, again, works. And I don't think that's it. It's a heart issue. It's the heart it behind it. It's the, it's the tax collector and the Pharisee. Look at what I yeah. did. Tell me, I did all these things. And the tax collector, have mercy on me, a sinner. He goes home justified. That's so right. Let's just talk about that for a little bit. Oh, man. Um, there's so much to say. And, and if we could, too, again, the older I get, and I keep referencing this, but it's just, I feel like the older I get, the the more I'm being shown. But the more I realize that, again, going back to Isaiah 55, his ways aren't our ways, man. There are some things that seem so backwards to us, right? Right. But in reality, they're not. They're they're his ways and they're not our ways. There's ways that he, for example, the greatest... (laughs) 
I would say the greatest question people struggle with, and maybe you would agree or disagree, is if God is good, why does evil and suffering and all these things exist? Yes. You've heard many different variations. Same question. Right. If God is good, why does all these evil things, why, does, why do we have to go through this, right? Robbie Zacharias had such a brilliant uh, analogy, and it's from Indian folklore, I guess, is what he said. Um, and if I could, I'm probably going to butcher it, so forgive me. Yeah, but no worries, he, gives, he gives a short example, but it's absolutely spot on. He said there was a man, and he had a son, and his son, you know, they raised horses and everything. And one day, one of the horses ran away, and he was, he was talking to his neighbor, and his neighbor came and saw what happened, and he said, oh, man, that's, that's, that's not good. That's bad luck that, you know, your horse ran away. And he's like, oh, what do I know about these things? The next day, that horse came back, and it brought 20 wild horses with it. And he, the, his neighbor saw, and he couldn't believe it. And he said, oh, it was actually good luck after all. Hey, what about that? And he was like, what do I know about these things? So the next day, his son was in uh, the stable with one of the new horses trying to tame it, uh, training it up and everything. And it actually kicked him in his leg, and he broke his leg. And the neighbor came and found out. He said, oh. It's actually bad luck after all that these things, you know, these things came and broke your son's leg. What a terrible thing. He's like, what do I know? And then a week later, while his son was in a cast, a group of bandits or, or uh, rebels came to the city looking for the, all the able-bodied young men of the city to recruit for their gang and to take to the next city. And they came to his house and they saw that his son had broke his leg so they couldn't take him. And they moved on to the next city. And the man says, his neighbor said, what about it? It was actually good luck after all. He mm. said, in one short sequence of events, you don't know what's good and you don't know what's bad. Why don't we wait and see how everything plays out? Keep yes. trusting in God that he has everything in order, and then we can give him all the glory that he's due. And man, when I heard that, I was like, my, I get chills just thinking about it because we think we're yes. so intelligent. And I think of Romans 1 where it says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Talking about all these people that think they have things figured out when you don't. And it's right. like the God, and we were, we're reminded, God loves to confound the wise in their own eyes, right? Yeah. That's why I think it's so important to have character traits about yourself, like being humble, having humility, trusting in God, and all these things that ultimately make us who God hopefully wants us to be and is making us into men that he wants us to be. Right, right. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite things to say is that I'm really excited and looking forward to get to heaven to find out how wrong my theology is, you know, because <laughs> yeah. we sit here, we dedicate Same. our lives to studying. And I know, I know, based on scripture, I'm just scratching, just scratching who God is. <laughs> And yet, so many times, even as Christians, right, we can go around thinking we've got it figured out. You know, just as much as Amen. the world will find alternatives to God, we as Christians will act as if we are God's ultimate representative. Yeah. We've, we've got this figured <laughs> out. Lawyer. We are infallible too, you know. And so, yeah, that, that's really important and humbling. So what I want to do now is I want to talk specifically to those who might be watching who are really struggling with, with knowing whether or not they're saved. And maybe they're feeling fear right now, thinking, man, I, I'm not seeing fruits in my life. Maybe something's wrong. And maybe there are those who are watching that are thinking they've got it all together. 
They're thinking, oh yeah, I'm good. I've got the fruit. I'm doing all this. And yet it's, it's rooted in a, a false humility that, that is not true. So let's, let's speak directly to those people now. Um, it's such a, a, first of all, yeah, such an important thing to talk about, but it's such a real battle. Right. Um, I just want to interject too, really quick. Mm-hmm. let's let's not just speak to those people let's speak to ourselves too because i want to keep that yeah. again that this yeah, is not absolutely. us speaking a message out but this is us ministering to our souls as well amen um the first thing that really comes to mind is if you want to be flipping to second corinthians 13 yeah right. and it's verse five earlier but it ties in but while you're flipping there <coughs> excuse me i think to myself you know a lot of times, especially when we sin, when we know we've done wrong, when we've fallen off that path, a voice comes into our head almost like I mentioned this earlier, like we have to put ourselves in a timeout or we have to put ourselves in the penalty box and keep ourselves away from God, at least for a little while, again, so that maybe over time things will loosen up a little. We can eventually kind of work our way back into God's favor. Right. I'll say this, man. And it's a, it's a very real feeling that we go through, right? I'll say this, though. Anytime that a voice inside of us, and I'm not talking about like literal voices, but any right. thoughts that come into our head that think you can't just keep coming back to them. I mean, you just did this yesterday, and here you are doing it again. I mean, God's not just going to throw out forgiveness like it's candy. Anything that pushes us away from God, you can rest assured it's from Satan himself. Amen. That is the, the goal of him. He wants to push you away and then isolate you to get you by yourself because you're not good enough for anything. And then he just wants to beat you down. Yes. But God, in a very similar yet opposite direction, he will come to you and he will say, you did wrong. Yeah. But come back. Again, prodigal son, man. How, how, how differently could that father reacted whenever he saw his son that basically looked at him and said, I want to pretend like you're dead. Now give me what I need, and I'm going to go away and live any way I want to live. How right. differently could that dad, when he sees him, his son, far off in the distance, coming back, he could have said, oh, look at you now. Come groveling back. He could have rubbed it in. Right. No, instead, he ran to him. That right. is God. That is a perfect description of who God is. He right. comes looking for us. It says no man seeks after God. Right. But when he... His conviction and the Holy Spirit comes over us and we recognize our sin and we're broken over it. That's when he does his work. So whenever you are struggling and fighting against sin, keep fighting. I can't emphasize this enough. Keep fighting and come back as soon as you possibly can to God. Don't stay away because that's what the devil wants you to do is stay away from. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just going off of that, too. there, there's this almost this idea that our, when we sin, when we mess up, we actually do have an actual break in fellowship, as though the spirit yeah. leaves us and we've got to go get it back. Yeah. That doesn't happen. That's part of the beauty of the cross is that our fellowship with God is is unified not through us, but through the fact that we have a great high priest who is standing at the throne of God, making intercession for us. And that lasts as long as he lives. And so keeping that in our heads is so important because it is really easy to get bogged down with that. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve God. And like you said, that's the enemy trying to just keep you in that place. Because as long as you're down, 
you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. You are, you are rendered useless. And so we need to reject that and recognize when we sin and we get that feeling, that's good. That's not, that's not condemnation coming over us. That's a sign that we are, we are not walking by the spirit. And it's, it's, a, it's a signal in the same way that if you're walking down a dark alley and you see some people walking <laughs> towards you and you have that fear come up, that's a good feeling. That's, that's get out that's of there, right. run, you know? That's right, so yeah. it's, it's the same thing. Um, the Holy Spirit is saying, run, get out of there. And that's, that's a good yeah. thing, you know? And so an analogy I heard, and then I want, I want to go into Second uh, Corinthians 13 here, but an analogy I heard that I just think is so good, and I've kept it with me, um, how we view ourselves in light of the cross, in light of what Christ has done for us, is so, so important. So imagine Amen. you're walking down a hallway and there are two rooms. You're holding a piece of trash and let's say the trash is sin. You're walking down and you see two rooms. One room is filthy, absolutely disgusting. It's a pigsty. And then the room over here is perfectly clean. There's no dust, nothing. If you have that piece of trash in your hand, which room are you going to throw it in? You're going to throw it there in the room right. that's trashy. If we view ourselves as the trashy room after Christ has made us new and said, you are a child of God now, we're going to just keep sinning because that's who we are. And that's what the devil hey, wants man. us to think. That's but if good. we view ourselves as the clean room, not because we're clean, but because Christ has made us that way, that piece of trash, it does not line up with that anymore. So you don't even <laughs> need to right. engage with it. So I, I just, I love that that's because good. it's been such a freeing picture of, who we are in Christ and what that actually means and what, what that does to us. You know, we are, we are empowered through the grace of God. Um, so going off of that, let's go to second Corinthians 13. Uh, what verse is it? Uh, verse five, verse five, go ahead and read it. It says, examine yourselves. And this is kind of just real quick, getting back to, and everything you said was spot on. And I love that analogy. That's really good. I'm going to have to remember that one. Um, but this is for us, right, to, to constantly be examining ourselves, okay? So examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Hmm. Test yourselves. You, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless yeah. indeed you are disqualified is what mine says. I got New King James. Yeah, Yours might too. say something a little different. Okay. Yeah, I've got so, so that's So it's saying take a test. And again, we probably, I don't know, you know, how long you want this to go, but we probably don't have time to go into the tests themselves. But right. short answer, the tests are in First John. Read First John yes. and begin to ask yourself some questions. That's a really good book to read if you're struggling in your faith. It Very really is. So. It's, not, it's not long. Uh, not that that matters, but, right. it, you know, really ask yourself what the questions are in that. Because in that, you'll begin to see whether you truly are in the faith. And listen, I don't care if you think that you've been in the faith for 45, 50 years. If yeah. you're not, you're not. And right. if you're not, what does it matter if you have to throw that away and say, you know what? I'm not. Somewhere along the way, maybe I lost my way. I don't know. But I'm not right now. Right. I would rather do that than continue in my hard-heartedness and end up going to hell. Right. You know, so it's a real thing. And it says examine yourself we yes. have to constantly be examining where we are because yep. a lot of the times if we're honest we may be off that path that doesn't mean necessarily that we're not saved it just means maybe you strayed away and maybe god 
through these things, through examination of yourself, is coming back and saying, you're going away. Come yeah. back. Yeah. Come back. You know, so I don't know. It's really good, though. And that, that verse in particular speaks a lot to me. Yeah, definitely. And I think, too, the idea of examining yourself and testing yourself, it's very easy to um, almost get the idea of, <laughs> oh, I, I'm scared. Oh, no. And if you, if you feel fear at the thought of examining and testing yourself, that's a sign that you absolutely need to examine and test <laughs> yourself. If you're excited about that and you're like, absolutely, let's do this, that probably means that you're doing pretty good in, in, the, in the sense that you've got Christ on your side. You got no absolutely. fear when you, to examine and test yourself if Christ is in you. The it's kind of like, it, like a kid that knows that they didn't study for a test, right? right. Versus a kid that did study for, they're, they're ready. Yeah, bring it on. I'm ready for the test. I studied. Versus the kid that didn't study, he's like, no, 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 I, I, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And the reason is, is like you're saying, tying in with what you're saying is because whatever, wherever you are, the important thing is to actually do these things, right? Because yeah. if we don't and we think, oh, I prayed a prayer or I did that already, it's a flu shot, I got that taken care of, man, that's a dangerous way of thinking. And I'll say right. this, and I'm surprised I hadn't said this yet, but to me, the best tool in the devil's arsenal is to convince somebody that they're saved when they're really not because mm -hmm. somebody that con is convinced wholeheartedly that they're saved, what can you say to them to right. cause them to see themselves for what they really are versus somebody that is truly struggling. Like we talked about as a red flag, it's not a red flag. It's a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. And it shows that God might be working in your soul. And that's a wonderful thing. Right. Yes. So I don't know. It's good, man. It's really yeah. good. Amen. Well, I don't want this to go too, too long. Um, so <laughs> let's, let's start to try to wrap things up here. But in closing, talking to those watching, talking to us, um, what, what would you say in regards to this issue? What, what, what would be if, if you could just have one takeaway for everybody that is just like, this is it. Let's go there. I would just say, Ecclesiastes 9.4, okay, basically says, as long as you are alive, you have hope. Mm -hmm. It goes on to say, it's better to be a, a living dog than a dead lion. And that's, that's more of the, the Jewish thinking, right? A dog is lowly. But if, as long as they're alive, they have hope. Right. Right. So, and, and why I say that, it doesn't matter if you struggle every day of your life. Keep struggling. And yes. keep fighting because your life isn't over. So often, I think we get in the moment to where, even, for example, even this, a good thing can even be twisted around to be a bad thing. What if I examine myself today and a week from now, I'm not where I was when I examined myself, but I'm holding on to the last time I examined myself and I was good. So by that, I'm good when I'm really not. Sure. So even that, it's a danger because as long as you're breathing, as long as you have air in your lungs and your heart beats, there's a hope that you have. And it's always, always, always going to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'll say this to close. Amen. If you're truly a Christian, you're not going to go to heaven based on the works and the merits of your own life. You're going to go to heaven based on the works and the merits of Jesus Christ. And that ought to give you hope 
because that means that you can't earn it even if you tried to rest in what he's already done yes. but keep searching for him keep right. searching amen and i just to tack on to that this right here is yeah. our source for everything if we stand on anything outside of the word of god we're going to fall every single time. Amen. There is nowhere to stand. And I was, when I was talking to Pastor Paul last night, one of the things we were talking about is how all too often people see two, two platforms. There's, there's man's word, there's God's word, but then there's that little neutral zone in the middle where we can both step off and have a conversation. And that's, that's false. There's no such yeah, thing as neutrality. No such thing. You're either on man's word or you're on God's word. And if you step off to engage the culture, if you step off to try to make amends, you're no longer standing on the foundation. So this Amen. must be, this is essential. You have to stand there. Otherwise we got Absolutely. nothing. So, Absolutely. well, I'm going to close us in prayer and I, I so greatly appreciate you coming on brother. This has been a blessing and I pray that Same. it's a blessing to, to all those who listen. Um, so let you me too. say a quick prayer. Heavenly father, Lord, we just come before you right now. I want to just thank you for my brother, Chris, Lord. I, I thank you for his, his heart for you, Lord, and his willingness to come on. Um, God, you know my vision for this is to create theological arsonists, people who are rooted in your word, Lord, who go out into culture and light a fire through the gospel that cannot be quenched. Yeah. And Lord, we cannot do that until we know and study your word. And so, God, I'm so thankful for brothers who have been on my show and those who are lined up for the future, Lord, for being willing to come alongside me and, and, and support this mission of putting your word front and center, your truth front and center, Lord, and shaking a fist at culture and saying, we will not bow our knee to you. Um, and so, Lord, I just pray for any who have listened today who are struggling with knowing whether or not they're saved, Lord. And for those who maybe are too comfortable thinking they're saved, Lord, I pray that this has been insightful. And Lord, you would open eyes. You would, you would show them that, that putting our faith in what we do, it's not going to work. Putting our faith in something we said, it's not going to work, Lord. We need to have our faith rooted in Jesus Christ and his finished work alone. And so, Lord, I'm thankful for the fact that the gospel was preached today, Lord, that your word was spoken today, Lord, and I pray it will be edifying to those who listen. And I say all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Jonah. This has really, for me, man, been a tremendous blessing. Um, I really appreciate this. And I think, again, you're doing something, you're starting uh, fires, as you put it. And it's, it's such a, a wonderful way to put it because it all starts with something small, right? But right. that fire grows. And so all your guests that I know that you've had on, Pastor Paul, Andrew, um, I look highly at them. So I think you're doing a wonderful thing, and I'm excited to see where you go with it. I appreciate that, man. I really do.